one, two, three. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome back to another episode of Manic Pixie Dream Hurls. Woo! Wait, guys, ready? Um, yes, Sorry. ma'am? Um, I oh. have a really important announcement. Okay. Megan has an important announcement. No, I wanted to make the noise. I downloaded an app, bitch. But I wanted to Wait, make Amelia, the noise. Wait, Amelia, I'll do it with you. You're I'm right. the sound lady. Wait, we'll do it together. <laughs> anyway, I'm Chloe. Um, I apologize for my general appearance and vocal quality because I have a bad cough, and at some point during the episode, I'm sure you're going to hear me make some real gross sounds, and then I'm going to get up and go spit some shit out of my throat. So, yes, I'm that. Let's introduce ourselves to the rest of everyone else. I'm McGuire. I'm Megan. I'm Leora. I'm Amelia. Yeah. And you're watching the Disney Channel. Do, 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 do. No, we're going to get sued, y'all. No, we're not. No copyright. We do not own any of that content. We do not own. We do own that content. We, what? We own that content. Okay, you guys. Okay, okay, okay. Today we're doing a really, really fun episode. We're going to be talking about comedy. I like to laugh. So here's, uh, we've gotten a bunch of great feedback, and a lot of feedback that we've received has been to outline the episode before we start, so people know what's going to happen. It was from me. I was the feedback. No, I've had multiple people say that to me. <laughs> and so you can um, skip ahead to the parts that are interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, oh, cool. so we, here's what's going to happen. Sorry. First of all, this <laughs> Cole McGuire. Oh, cool. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Um, so here's what, here's, what, here's what we're going to be talking about today. Also, my brain is broken. Um, we're going to be doing a quick history of stand-up. Funny. Then we're going to be having some one-on-one discussions. We all assigned each other different comedians to listen to, and we listened to them, and then we're going to talk about them. Um, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to write two minutes of our own material. So that'll be fun, and then we're going to perform that. And then, finally, we're going to head over to Amelia's Society Corner, where we're going to talk about um, society. Society. society, society, some of the like societal issues that surround comedy, and specifically like women in comedy, because, you know... Hashtag women. Yesterday was International Women's Day. Yeah! Woo! Woo! International Women's Day. Happy belated International Women's Day. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's just jump right in, folks. Um, just like a, a quick side note, um, there's a really really great CNN docu series called I think it's called The History of Comedy. Um, oh. It is very I think like I've seen that. It's great. It's yeah. it's really really great. It's really in, it goes in depth and covers a bunch of different topics. Um, and I really recommend it if it's something that interests you. Okay, so time for me to read my notes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep, we're ready. I'm so ready. Read to me, mommy. Historians trace origins of stand-up comedy to the early 20th century in New York City's vaudeville variety shows and burlesque. We live there. We live there. We live. That's us. in New York City. Not you guys. Well, probably. Most of like, you guys, because only our friends you. listen. This is like ASMR exactly. for me. No, my, yeah. my mom listens to this. She's in California. Yeah. Hi, Whoa! Megan's mom! Hi, Megan's mom! But she's our friend. Yeah, <clears throat> that's true. Anyway. So... <laughs> So the material that like so like a lot of people think of like burlesque and vaudeville and they think of like like sexy burlesque dancers and like weird rabble stuff. But then um, stand-ups like started to like be introduced and like it, it was this new material that it, that really um, was attractive to the new audiences of like working Americans and immigrants and it was like a lot of slapstick and high-paced like humor to like match the like high-paced society of New York City. That's oh, what this New York. Says. That actually um, makes sense to me, though. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of, like, early comedians, like, set up the idea of, like, a setup and then punchline. Yeah. Um, here's an example from Groucho Marx. Um, Behind every successful <laughs> man is a woman. Behind her is his wife. Which is uh, sexist. But it is a good example. Wait, of, like, I need you to explain that to me. Because it's his mistress. It's like his, yeah. Because yeah. oh, you, no. you're, like, you're not going to bang your wife. Um, here's a quote from the art. Oh, the article I got this from is from Slate.com. I love Slate. Yeah. So here's a quote. Some scholars believe that the United States was destined to reinvent global comedy in one form or another. To these thinkers, the idea of America is inherently funny. There's such a laughable disparity between the lofty ideals of American democracy and the harsh realities of self-governance that it was bound to generate a lot of jokes. Wow, that really, that's really, <laughs> really hit me deep. That, I mean, that's really accurate, I think. Really do I think be so like that. that. Really do be like that. Oh, and just like a side note, this is going to be focusing, my like research did focus a lot on like American comedy because that mm. is like kind of where stand-up developed, but like lots of different countries have their own stand-up scene, but like 
I mean, comedy's always existed. But yeah. for this form, I was, I was focusing, like, on the traditional stand-up. Um, a lot of people point to Charlie Case as the first stand-up comedian. Um, he was a vaudeville performer, and he was the first to do comedic monologues without props or costumes. Mm. Um, so a lot of pioneers moving into, like, the 30s included Moms Mabley, Bob Hope, George Burns, Milton Berle, who did do that, like, like traditional, like, set-up, punchline, set-up, punchline, set-up, punchline, and that's how, like, comedy was for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into the 50s, the nightclub scene began to flourish, and comedians like Don Rickles and Joan Rivers began um, kind of taking the stage, and this comedy was, like, a lot edgier, a lot punchier, a lot, like, meaner. Um, moving into the 60s, comedians began to explore politics, race relations, and sexual humor. Oh! Whoa! We're talking about the 60s and sexual humor. So, like, comedians like George Carlin and Lenny Bruce is, like, the big name of this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would be, like, arrested for indecent language. Like that, like in Miss Maisel. Everyone watched The Marvelous Miss Maisel. For What's, better or for worse, um, what they called? people like comedians. Woody Allen became famous during this time. Mm-hmm. And Phyllis Diller, who's a great uh, lady, lady comic. Um, and also at this time, black comedians like Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby would begin to cross over to white audiences. Um... In the 70s, comedy began to expand, and there was now, like, a bunch of different styles as opposed to just, like, the setup punchline insult comedy that was kind of becoming popular. Um, Richard Pryor and George Carlin, like, followed in, like, the Lenny Bruce style of the obscene and, like, very intense political commentary. Um, Steve Martin, Bill Cosby, like, created a more, like, family-oriented style. Uh, <laughs> and like the old style of like set up punchline was like kept alive by comedians like Rodney Dangerfield and Don Rickles. Um, I think Don Rickles died recently, he but he he recently. was doing comedy well into his nineties and he's amazing. Um, Saturday Night Live starts in the ni- in the nineteen in nineteen seventy five. Man, nineteen seventy five. In nineteen seventy five, and before um, the Tonight Show existed before Saturday Night Live, and th- but things like the Tonight Show and Saturday Night Live really helps to. Um, create a platform for these new, like, burgeoning comedians, especially The Tonight Show of Johnny Carson. Um, in the 80s and 90s, more styles emerge. Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, Jerry Seinfeld, Ellen DeGeneres. And this is where you really start to see kind of more, um, like, niche styles of comedy. Like, obviously, Robin Williams was crazy, fast-paced, like, going everywhere. Um, Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen have, like, very minute, like, observational comedy that like still is pretty prevalent now I would say I think that's probably the most popular style now um I put in now and it's now uh in the the 2000s um there's like I think a lot of more dry humor like people like Dimitri Martin who's great and like Flight of the Concords and all that like start to emerge so this is like a very very brief history um of stand-up I'm done and here's the musical interlude into our next section So now um, we're going to break into our little duos and talk about some of the comedians that we assigned each other. And first up is Megan and Amelia. Cool. So I assigned Amelia, Melissa Villasenor from SNL, but she's done stand-up before and yeah. stuff like that. So. so I watched, her stuff is interesting to watch because she doesn't have an actual like special like Netflix special, so you kind of have to piece it all together. So I kind of went through her like whole history, and so I watched her in 2011, she was on America's Got Talent, and she did... <laughs> The dog just falling apart. She did a lot of impressions, and she's really good at impressions. Um, that's like her kind of her thing. And like when you start to watch her stand up nowadays, it's all kind of centered around her impressions. Like she makes jokes now, but like she makes jokes now, but she does mostly impressions. <laughs> um, but because it was 2011, and I'm sure this might be pro- part of everybody's, but in 2011, um, we weren't as sensitive or not sensitive. We weren't as aware of how to talk about things and how to not be racist um so she does have a few controversially probably definitely racist impressions that she does she does she did a her one of her big famous ones was she was very uh popular for her japanese impression and she did it in like many different forms and she did a lot of japanese music singing but it was never like actual japanese music anyway not the point but um she has, so when she was on SNL, there was a controversy about it, and they like brought up like old tweets and her old stuff, and so there was a whole controversy about that, and she's since apologized, but that's just worth noting. Um, but now she very much is just uh, she like her her comedy is around her impressions, and if you watch her on SNL, like it's all like 
it's very much about like character building and that sort of stuff which is like super awesome as like all of us are actors and that's like the part of comedy that's like really what we lean into um and if you're looking for like a video that's like her key comedy it's called wheel of musical impressions on jimmy fallon and she does a great job um she gives a great job she does a great job she gives gives a great job and that's what i would suggest about her wonderful okay um i gave mcguire um i gave mcguire eliza slushinger who is my favorite female comedian yeah comedian at all actually and she's funny i thought so i'm not disclaimer i don't watch listen to or ingest a lot of stand-up i just don't do it as a practice um besides like what i see on the twitter so i never <laughs> heard of her before which is like weird because amelia told me that i had her and all the other girls were like yeah um but i watched two of her netflix specials so i watched yes. Warpaint and i watched elder one. millennial well in Warpaint, she says the n-word Oh, yeah. No, didn't I and say? I, I was like, Warpaint is, like, before. Yeah. Amelia told me. She said that, like, the Warpaint was, like, like, a, like before. I don't know the dates. I'm not, I'm not taking notes. Amelia has, like, a notepad <laughs> with, like, a, literally a book. I don't have that. Um, but I I still thought it was, I thought it was, like, funny. Like, I thought that was a funny one. But I thought Elder Millennial was, like, really funny. Like, I was, like, cackling out loud by myself. <laughs> Which is, like, hard to do. It's hard to make someone laugh out loud when they're sitting alone in their room on their bed. And I just thought it was really... I really appreciated how she would, like, make a joke and be like, Listen, I just want to say, like, if you're not a, the kind of woman who relates to this, that's fine. Your joke's coming later. And I just <laughs> loved how she would do that because I was like, that's so... Like, it's just, it's a, it's an art. Honestly, like, it's part of the comedy in itself because she's acknowledging the fact that she's making jokes for, like, very niche types of women. <laughs> so, yeah, I just really appreciate it. I also feel like Elder Millennial, I would recommend watching it because it's really funny, but also because she's making a lot of really good points about, like, women and how, like, we change ourselves for, like, dudes. and But she's not doing it in a way that's, like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like when you talk bad about someone, condescending. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she's not, not condescending. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that. She's just very much like, you can do whatever you want. I'm just going to tell you what I see and tell you what I do. And if you relate, then you relate and you're going to laugh. And like, I feel like everyone would relate to it. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So now, so it's, time now for... it's time for me and I'm Leora. Yeah. Okay, so I, I gave Leora, a comedian, I have to preface this, <coughs> that is Sorry. really interesting because she's not popular well she's getting more popular mm-hmm. as the day goes by but she's really young she's really new and she's very strange because yes. i don't know if she's funny her name is cat cohen i am so excited to talk about cat cohen with you and so just to give like a preface on the type of thing she does so she started up doing traditional comedy i found something that she recorded on youtube in her like I think it was her little apartment that she, like, invited friends just so she could have videos up because we're all trying to get out there. Um, But now she does a lot of work at Joe's Pub and a lot of different comedy clubs. But she does musical comedy, so she writes a lot of comedic songs, and a lot of them talk about men and when they do bad things. And And they're all fully sung. Yes. It's not like Bo Burnham songs where he's, like, half singing. Yeah. She's, like, belting. She's got a great voice. Like, I will... The first thing that I... I like, is she is a good singer. Yes, cat. Um, but I am so interested to talk about her because I feel like she's relying on this, like, shtick of, like, we're quirky women doing women quirky things, which is also our shtick. Well, <laughs> but I, I feel... Our shtick. Your shtick. Maybe. Whoa! <laughs> but I feel... Yeah. I, I feel like she's kind of, like, in in this box where you're like I agree with the things you're saying and some of the things that you're saying are are funny but a lot of them feel more just like general societal complaints that like I agree with (laughs) you know yes does that (laughs) it does make sense it was crazy about she's like super famous on the internet Yes, she's She's like a lot of viral videos. And Twitter, I stalked her Twitter a little bit in preparation because similar to Melissa Vienna Senor, she doesn't have a specific special. So there are a lot of like, she posts her songs individually on YouTube. So I did that. I read an article she wrote and. (gasps) Those are my $80 sneakers. Yeah, she doesn't have like a comedy special. No, because she's like 20. Because she's she's like 23, 24. Yeah, that's like the same thing. She's us plus three years. Yeah. 
Yeah, us graduated. So I was I was curious about your thoughts and and uh, your thoughts in assigning her and all of those things because I felt very torn. Yeah. Where like I want to support her because I agree with the things she's saying and I agree with like yes, young woman, yes, go and get it. But at the same time, like I I don't know. Yeah, it's a super interesting thing. That's why because I originally gave you Jenny Slate. You did. Who's yes. my favorite comedian? Love you, love um, But I switched it at the last minute because I think it's because she's so young. Because Kat Cohen is so young. Yes. And I find it really interesting because she's doing something at the... She's at the intersection of theater and comedy. Um, because she's, like, literally doing musical theater. Yes. and she, But she's doing it as stand-up. Um, and she has a lot of really interesting interviews where she talks about how the way that she looks is, like, different, which is not always... Not entirely true. Um... So it's yeah, she's like an interesting she's an interesting human because she's also like really, really popular. So mm-hmm. I gave her to you because I wanted to know your thoughts. I told you I was like, you really like her. You did um, tell me that I played and then Laura so hard. Before the episode started, I went, McGuire, I don't know how I feel about her and McGuire went, Yeah, I gave her to you because it's bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wanted to bring in someone who like is newer and less experienced. I assigned Chloe John Mulaney, and he's the only male comedian that was assigned, but I think he's interesting because a lot of male and female comedians do a lot of, like, gender-related comedy, and I think his stuff is not that, which is interesting to me. Like, I think it would play just as well, kind of regardless of who was telling it, and that's how I would preface. Okay. I watched um, his special New Kid in mm-hmm. Town. New in Town? Yes. New in Town? The New oh, Girl there, in Town. There's, there's, there's New in Town, yeah. there's Kid Gorgeous. Oh, it's, it's new, uh, it was New in Town. It was New in Town. I was thinking about Hairspray, um, <laughs> like always. Uh, yeah, I was interested to like actually see it because I feel like because he is so popular right mm-hmm. now, um, and he's like, you know, all over Twitter, all over YouTube or whatever, you're, you're always seeing like clips of him. I was I like really did feel like okay I get it before like I even saw him and and straight um, boys love to quote him they do oh uh-huh. well I feel like like he is like kind of the um <laughs> the manic pixie dream man oh my God. Yes. man the man the manic pixie dream comedian um because he is so like kind of like. Man not child. like other comedians yeah he's not like you know he's yeah not he's like not like other comedians. comedians and the thing is he is. Yeah, nah. there are other comedians like him. Like I mentioned earlier, like Dimitri Martin, um, Stephen Wright. Uh, I only know male comedians, um, but just the idea of like kind of more just jokes as opposed to commentary about um, life or whatever. Mm-hmm. But because I, th- I think I think Mulaney does do commentary about life, but because it is like it is a lot more like in his delivery and his little ad-libs in between that makes it funny as opposed right. to like what he's actually saying right because he's talking about like stories from high school yeah. and like things that things that are so mundane if you wrote down like went to a party in high school you'd be like not funny next but I think you can kind of see Ugh. the remnants of his SNL career where it is trying to be widely relatable to like yeah. a, a vast audience um and there was a second point that is just gone just like the self-deprecating like um you look like a small child. Like it's in his delivery. Yeah, um, it's his delivery. It's yeah. all his it's delivery. It's all his delivery. Such book. I hate it. I'm sorry. I hate it. Yeah, I like. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't laugh. Um, I, <laughs> That's okay. I I appreciate him because he is like a good boy in a world of mean men. A bad boy. Oh, that was cute. Um. So I appreciate that, <laughs> and Love I do it. really like Big Mouth, which he's also part of. Oh yes. Um, right. But for like for his stand up, I should say. I, in general, don't really enjoy stand-up. Um, I prefer, like, like skit sketch or other things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like. I feel like now, like, okay, I understand the appeal of okay. why he's everywhere. Any hoozles. Um, now, I love that word. Any hoozles? Thank you. So I invented it. All right, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Amelia's bringing um, an aggressive energy to this podcast. I just yeah, need us I, to be good. I come back to that. I have fighting. Can I please put in a two-minute tangent? Of like, yes. there's like some a deleted scene from one of our last, um, our last podcast when we're trying to set up the camera angle, and like Amelia's behind the camera, and you hear all of us just talking and talking, and you hear Amelia go, just so genuinely under her breath. You guys are driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The chaos comes from our friendship and our relationship. Anyway, yeah, we spent too much time. And that's how you watch. Chloe and Megan are going to talk about Chelsea Peretti. Um, I assigned. <gasps> I love her. 
<laughs> Do you just throw up in your hand? I assigned Megan Chelsea Pretty because I think that Chelsea Pretty is one of like she could the greats. One of the greats on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I feel like she could easily fit into like the female comedian trope of like Amy Schumer or um, other people like yeah. that. Um, I can't think of other examples, but I think she um, subverts it slightly because her jokes are funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it is one of the few specials that, like, I have laughed at. Um, and I think that she just has, like, it's just, like, she has, like, such a, she's obviously very, very intelligent, and, like, her jokes are so, like, stupid. And I think her (laughs) delivery is really stupid, but I think that's intentional, and I enjoy it. Megan? Cool. Um, so, we have a lot in common. We're both from the Bay Area, so, Uh. woot woot. Um, we both love Housewives, and, um, following murder crimes, she made a joke about Jodi Aris, which I thought was really, really creative. Um, and it was funny. She killed her kid. No, she killed her boyfriend. Oh, I'm thinking of someone, I'm thinking of someone. Casey. 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 Yeah. There's so, there's so many murder crimes, yeah. guys, like, go on YouTube, it's great. Yeah. Um, and we're <laughs> Do you also, people go on YouTube? Yeah, we're also <laughs> silent peers. So, like, you know that thing where you, like, kind of, like, lean your butt, so then, like, you pee silently, so then... What? Like, you, you kind of, like, tilt... On the on the on the toilet seat, so then the pee hits like the side of the bowl, and then it just like what? So then no one has to hear you pee. If you're, you're not a silent peer, you I just pee. make yourself yeah. pee silent. Yeah, because like you don't want people to hear you pee. I would be more creeped out if someone walked out of the bathroom and like I was like, did you not pee? <laughs> I don't want I don't want strangers to hear me pee. And if I walk in the bathroom, sit down, don't do anything, and walk out, that's my business. Let no, let's talk about that. This is not Chelsea. Like her, her well, okay. The point is, is that she covered all these topics because I think her structure is unique. It's not like one main like theme throughout the whole thing where it's like you know like. I'm going to be talking about my childhood the whole time or, like, how many people I've slept with. It's, like, just, like, so sporadic. Like, she literally will just, like, kind of end a joke. And then it's not, like, oh, like, I think my least favorite part about stand-up is the transition. It's, like, it's, like, between jokes and it's, like... Families are weird, right, guys? Yeah, and it's, like, stop. Like, no, you don't need a transition to just make me laugh. Like, cut to the chase. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... (laughs) I don't know, like, but I really do love planes. Like, I love going on planes. Speaking of planes, um, let me tell you um, about one time when I was on a plane and there was a guy next to me. Is this an example? She's 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 just an example. I got it. I was like, what? It's just that they try to connect it. They try to connect (laughs) it, (laughs) too. They try to make it relevant, and then I'm like, stop, this is not relevant. But I, I appreciated that about her. Um, I didn't find all of her jokes funny, though. Just I think she just goes on for too long. Yeah, she, I, I agree. Yeah, it's like the horse was dead, like, 20 minutes ago, lady. <laughs> but I thought that there were... I, I did, like, breathe out of my nose very harshly. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Okay, <laughs> great job, you guys. That was right. on eight hours. Um, all right. So now that we've talked about our comedians, A, and descended into chaos, B, we are now going to uh, write some of our own stand-up. But there's a catch. Ooh, Ooh. spooky. Because you said I could. They weren't going to let me introduce this section, but I am. So She stole it from me. <laughs> so we all wrote down um, potential topics and comedy fodder that now we're going to draw... I can use the you word slaughter. I don't know what that means. Lira, I need you to work <laughs> faster. We all wrote down potential topics in comedy fodder, and now everyone is going to draw Stop one fodder. without fodder, without knowing what it is, and have to write a two-minute set on it. <laughs> so many noises. All right, we're gonna do that now. One noise. And I am going to be writing on families. Lira, I'm writing on going to the museum. I'm writing on elementary school. Frick yeah. I'm writing on Amazon. And I'm writing... Am I allowed to use my own? No. I'm writing on movies and TV. Wow, I really played you guys. <laughs> I put Amazon and going to the museum. Those are kind of bad. Okay, okay so, all right, gonna, so now we're going to break and we're going to write... And the music goes... Here, take a 50 out and break the right thing. Back from our 15 minute interlude, we all wrote some stand up, and um, we're gonna have two minutes like on the dot. Like, I'm gonna we, be the like, cut off we bitch. will, like, 
Chloe will cut you off. I'm gonna speak real fast. Yeah, and um, no guarantees that any of this is funny because but we're gonna laugh. Guarantees that it's not funny. Yeah, pretty much guaranteed that it's not funny. No, don't put ourselves down like that. No, no, I'm just saying it's the first draft of a joke. It's the first draft. Just know that. Great. So I'm gonna be giving mine to you guys. I'm first. I'm Amelia. Make sure you say your topic. My topic is families, and I'm gonna be giving it directly to you guys because I think audience. Um, what's the word? Audience relationship is important. Tell me when you're ready to begin. I'm ready. Okay, go. Okay, so my first joke is fully separate from the rest. Um, (laughs) So, um, I have three brothers, and two of them are girls. (laughs) (laughs) I have one brother and two sisters. That's the joke. Um, Okay. Um, I didn't get it. (laughs) So I've been thinking about this for a long time because my parents are going to get old. Um, and die. Um, and so I've been thinking about what I'm gonna do when they get old, and I think I have this, I have this prop, like, this idea. We need to create a mountain where all the old people go. And if they live, they're, like, superhuman. And if they die, then your parents are dead. (laughs) Anyway, um, and because, like, I really can't deal with my parents when they're old. I'm not gonna be able to deal with it. My dad is already such a hypochondriac. One time he was lying in bed, and he... Was, he was like, wow, my kidney hurts. Which, first of all, doesn't make sense because I don't know where my kidney is and I don't know why he does. And he was like, my kidney hurts. I have kidney stones. Then he realized he was lying on his iPad, <laughs> which is the most dad thing ever. That's all. <laughs> oh, my God. That was amazing. Oh, my God. Thank you. That was, that was amazing. Leora, um, are you right, ready? Leora, Leora ready. what's your topic? My topic is, and this doesn't count towards my time. It doesn't? My topic. Just your bag. Is going to the museum and go. There's a lot of museums in the city, but I happen to be partial to the MoMA. Modern art, modern art makes you feel like an intellectual equal. <laughs> like you go to the Met and you're 20 and you're broke and you look like you walked off the set of the Disney Channel. That's just me. And you're like, they let me in for free, but I definitely shouldn't be here. Modern art is kind of the opposite. You walk in and you're 20 and you're broke and you look like you just walked off the set of the Disney Channel. Still just me. And there's like a ball of hair that looks like someone you invited to a tea party when you were five. And you're like, cool, 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 cool. Yes, this is it. I have an uncle who hates modern art because he thinks it's just like circles and lines. And he's not wrong, but that's, we're going to keep moving on. So when I was like in middle school, my parents uh, decided they were going to pull a prank on him. So they told him that my older brother won an art award and that it was a really big deal and it was like displayed in the local library and he he got some money and it was a big deal and they've been hyping this up and we were on vacation with the uncle and so they spent all week hyping it up, hyping it up. At the end of the week they were like, do you want to see Campbell's art? And my uncle was like, yes, so proud. And they show it to him and it's, it's two circles that Campbell drew on MS Paint and one is red and one is green and they have him go and he's like this is fu- uh, this is grass and this is fire and it's the duality of life and my uncle's like it's so good oh <laughs> it's, it's great oh. <laughs> oh, God, i get it i get it now um and that's a story of how we lied to my uncle Oh, I love that. We love you. You, you, you finished? I finished. We thought we were going to go for 5 minutes. Um what did I cut my intro. Megan, what is your topic? Great. My topic is elementary school. I'm ready. And go. Okay, so when I was in elementary school, um, I grew up in a suburb outside of San Francisco, which just made me want to go to San Francisco all the time because, like, the suburb's not cool. And the only thing that's better about San Francisco than the suburbs surrounding it is that there's just more juice shops. Which, <laughs> okay, I actually think that makes it worse. Like, I actually think that it's worse that San Francisco has more juice shops because every time I've walked into a juice, juice shop, it's like... I've never been, like, satisfied with my purchase. It's like, why did I spend $15 on celery juice or something like that? (laughs) Um, Another thing about elementary school is that people always thought that I was, like, the nice kid. um, But I was only nice because I was driven by fear of adults. Um, Like, whenever I went to my friend's house, I was so afraid that I was going to be a bad influence on the child that I was at the house of. That, like, any, any question they asked me, like, the parents, like... I remember, like, vividly, like, one time, like, I was at some kid's house, and they're like, did you eat yet today, Megan? And, like, I assumed that they, like, you know, they were asking me, like, if I was gonna, like, if I had lunch already or not, or whatever. And I was like, no, I haven't eaten, I haven't eaten anything all weekend. (laughs) And then, like, I just thought that, like, they were accusing me of eating their food, but legit, like, they thought that my parents didn't feed me. (laughs) They quite literally thought that I had never been fed. 
Um, yeah, other types of niceness that people are um, is like... <laughs> I just feel like when you're nice, it's either for a number of reasons. Like, it's either like you like want something from somebody or like you run into them and then you have to have like a nice interaction with them and then you like find a way to compliment them on something which like you didn't actually like you just wanted to like say something nice so then you could have a conversation with them and leave that's been me so like if i run into you in the street sometime then i'm like i love your shirt um (laughs) i don't actually like your shirt i just wanted to say something nice to you so um yeah that's basically it also um just being nice to people in general is um time's up and Megan went over. I was I was gonna make a comment on society about how society is altruistic, which means no one actually cares about being nice to anyone. Okay. I don't care. Can someone please time me? Yeah, reasons. I'll time you. Go. Okay, my first joke about Amazon is that Jeff Bezos? Yeah. Is, uh-huh. is that how I say his last name? Anyway, his wife left him because... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the joke. <laughs> because he would always make her use a Kindle when she prefers Nook. Oh, oh wow. That's so awesome. niche. That's, that's so awesome. niche. I hate myself. Um, so Amazon Prime has made us like really like entitled as people because I remember like when I was like ten, I was just so excited to get any mail, and I would like wait all month to get my copy of like Zoo Books or whatever. Ugh. And now like if I don't get like my iPhone dongle within two days, I just get upset, and then I like will call them and be like, I haven't received it yet, and I'll like call NYU and be like, Where's my dongle? Um, <laughs> so that's it. Um, ba 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 ba. Transition. Yes, transition. I'm nervous to say this, but like comedy is truth. Um, I really want to order a dildo from Amazon, but I can't because I use my mom's account. Um, uh, Which also means that she's seen how many times I've watched Alicia Vikander and Ex Machina. Um, (laughs) Okay, so Amazon has like that thing that's like. the list that's like related to what you've recently viewed and it looks like all that my mom ever views are khaki skirts and lawn chairs what (laughs) what a specific picture of your mom (laughs) i told you no one didn't think that's funny except for me um and i practice self-care by adding a bunch of things to my amazon cart and then pretending i have enough money to buy it all um (laughs) which is just like really sad um that's all i have good you're under thank you proud of you thank you uh, that's my time, everyone. That's All right. my time. That's my time. Okay. Um, my topic oh, are you is, timing her? Wait, yeah. I'm going to also preface mine by saying I'm the only non-performer in this room. We all have the same training, so that's the preface. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a difference. And you started off as a performer. Mine is at, was None actively of- not funny. So please go. Okay. Yeah. You're all, top- you're all preface yourself down. Okay, start now. So the biggest mistake that people make when they come to New York City as a tourist or otherwise is going to a Guy Fieri restaurant. Uh, (laughs) If you've ever been to one of those, it's like walking into the seventh circle of hell or heaven. (laughs) I'm not quite sure. And when I came here (laughs) to this hallowed city, I vowed never to go into a Guy Fieri restaurant. And I think that he felt that somewhere wherever he was in his bones. Because one night I was sitting on my couch eating a piece of pizza and also a piece of cheesecake. The, the cheesecake was sitting on top of the pizza like oh. a burger and I was going, no, nom nom nom. I was. And, and I was watching Chopped on the on the Food Network. Nice. And I looked out the window just to, to ponder on the fact that I was in, in New York City. And I saw <gasps> Guy Fieri no, outside my window. I live on the ninth floor. And I said, the ghost of Guy Fieri has come to kill me because he knows that I will not step foot at his restaurant on 42nd Street next to Schubert Alley. He knows and he feels it. But then I realized that it was the reflection of my television and that it was simply a commercial for diners, drive-ins, and dives and that Guy Fieri was not outside of my window come to kill me in my first week in New York City. (laughs) In fact, he was probably asleep in his California home. Oh my god. I love that. Wow, proud of you. What do you mean you're not a performer? Good job, girl. Yes. Yeah, we did it. We did it. So, um, I hope you guys thought that those jokes were funny. Maybe we're they weren't. Sorry. But it's Let us okay. know in the comments section. Do you think they're funny or not? No, don't do that. Um, we're going to move on to something a little bit more serious, and that's a conversation about society. Society. Okay, so um, oh, welcome to my society corner. My favorite thing to talk about is society. And <laughs> um, I wrote <laughs> with, um, so we have a Hillary Clinton bobblehead here to confirm. A Hillary? Hillary. 
Um, anyway, so I wrote a paper last year about women in comedy, and it was really hard for me because there's so much to write and so much to think about because, first of all, you can generalize a whole group of people. Second of all, it's impossible to separate ourselves from the norms and the things that we've been ingrained in us throughout history. So it's impossible to, like, even analyze what is right and what is wrong. <laughs> that being said, so... um that being said i have a few questions that i want to ask and we can like chat about but um this came up with a few of the comedians but it's very common in, in female comedy and in male comedy but i notice it more in female comedy to talk about sex and so there's this argument that that's a good thing because it's subverting expectations and for so long women weren't allowed to talk about sex and this is them taking it back but then at the same time it could be a bad thing because it's like, as Eliza Schlesinger saying, said in her book, um, sex is the lowest hanging fruit. And if we're only putting, bringing ourselves to the level of the lowest hanging fruit, then what are we doing? And also, like, Eliza Schlesinger made a point that if you don't talk about sex in your real life, why are you talking about it in your comedy? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Thoughts? I, I'm going to go last, actually. Okay. Um, uh-huh. I have a thought. In general... <laughs> I don't, like, enjoy um, that sort of, like, raunchy comedy. Um, I think that's, like, such a wonderful quote about it. I think it is really low Because, like, sex is such a naturally, like, weird, funny thing. And um, I feel like a lot of female comedians feel like they have to talk about sex in order to get attention from a wider audience. Because, like, who doesn't want to see a pretty lady on stage talk about sex? Like, it's, like, a male fantasy. Um, I... Yeah, that's that's really all I have to say is like I think that it is like low hanging fruit. Um, I also think there's this like need for female comedians, especially com- female comedians that are trying to make a name for themselves and trying to break out, to be the raunchiest and have the the like biggest like oh, she's not supposed to say that thing. Yeah. And you're seeing it so much with young comedians. It's kind of what we were talking about with Kat Cohen that in trying to make a name for themselves by doing the the like raunchiest and I cannot think of a synonym for that word. Um, Raunchy, that's good. Yeah. Dirty, thing. naughty. No, but not even naughty. not even in that sense. Um, just like attention grabbing, like gritty. Yeah. No, anyways, <laughs> but but like in in doing that, trying to make a name for themselves. But the fact is, it's so common now, and now it's just a bunch of women being like, girls aren't supposed to talk about sex, so I'm gonna talk about mm-hmm. sex. But now all female comedians are yeah. talking about sex. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also, um, I went to see, this was also my paper, I went to see a comedy show at The Pit, I think, and every single comedian talked about men and their relationships with men, and I just don't see the same parallels in male right. comedy. Yeah. Men don't always talk about relationships and sex. Right. But women almost always do. And it is the thing that you kind of talked about earlier, is like, uh, when it's all women talking about sex, it then because becomes a thing of like I'm not like other women. I talk oh, about sex, yeah, which right. inherently puts down other women who don't don't talk, talk about, about sex. sex. But at the same right. time, I'm like, if they want to, if that's the thing that's the Eliza Schlesinger quote, like if you're the type of person that's like, yeah, let's talk about sex. That's really funny. Then that like yeah. of course write comedy about it. But I think a lot of people feel forced into that. Yeah, because they're mm-hmm. like, I can make people laugh if I talk Shocking. about this. Shocking. Is the shock that I wanted to use. Shock value. Yeah, there's so much yeah. shock value in a woman being like pussy, and you're like, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. But we're and we're also like very like I feel rapidly entering into the world where like it's not shocking anymore to hear a woman yeah. say no. pussy, no. right? Yeah. And I, I feel like it's disingenuous because one of the wonderful things about comedy is that it is a tool for people to come up and talk about their lives and tell stories that they wouldn't be able to tell if they didn't have this uh, guise of like being able to make you laugh and so telling jokes just because you know that they're provocative provocative is another word that i wanted these were all of the words that i wanted (laughs) 30 seconds ago um telling a story just because you know it's it's salacious and provocative and all of the words that i wanted to say instead of like telling a story because you want to connect and because you want to make people laugh because it's funny and because it's funny like it's not doing kind of what comedy set out to do i think that's the disconnect i think there are comedians female comedians and male comedians that use sex and are actually like talking about it and being funny about it and some people use it as a tool and a ploy and I think yes that's the no-no zone (laughs) so I didn't want to start the conversation out with this because I think I have the the unpopular opinion but basically well I the part that's not the unpopular opinion I think is that women get a bad rep for talking about sex and for not talking about sex like either way it's like there's something wrong if you 
do it, and if you don't do it, then like they're like, you're so prude, or something like that. But my unpopular opinion is that I don't hate Amy Schumer, and I actually thoroughly enjoyed her, um, Trainwreck. Her movie. I did too. Trainwreck is good. I thoroughly I enjoyed it. that movie. I, I did not. I think when she came out with "I Feel Pretty," that's when she got the most hate. And then, but I feel like before that, when she was talking about sex, she was like, that's when people started hating on her the most. And then she became like such a meme because of like all of this hate around her talking about sex. Is like. You know, and then like people were like, she steals jokes, and it's like you know all these compilations on YouTube. But like, if people like did that much research on like any other comedian, yeah. I feel like you would find stuff like that too. It's not like she's the only comedian who steals jokes. You know, I think Amy Schumer is like I used her in my paper, but she's like the perfect example of someone like you'd be talking to Amy Schumer and she would bring up sex. Yeah, yeah. So like it makes sense to me she would put a lot of that in her humor. Yeah, but also um, she did an Ellen show. Well, obviously she can't talk about sex on Ellen, but like you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, about sex. Ellen does she? But Ellen, like, Ellen gets fucked in like oh, yeah, she does. appropriate ways. <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, like she <laughs> did do stuff guy. like she does stuff that where she doesn't talk about sex. And like, yeah, there was yeah. her yeah. Ellen. There was the the interview on Ellen where she went viral because like Ellen was like crying on the floor because it was like super funny or something. Yeah, she's definitely. I think she's genuinely funny. I yeah. feel like her humor has changed a lot, and I haven't been keeping up with the times of humor ever since like the whole controversy with Louis C.K., which mm-hmm. was someone else who I used to like because I yeah. am into like the crude humor and everything like that. But like now, like I, I don't really know where everyone stands during comedy right now because yeah. of all the scandals that have been going on. So yeah. Second question. Um, this is some another thing that I don't have an answer to, but it is how is female self-deprecation humor different from male self-deprecation oh. humor, and how is it detrimental towards mm. female self-deprecation humor? Makes me so upset, but also like laugh. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like painful. I don't mind it. What I mind is the the generalization and the self-deprecation. Because I think when you see male comedians, comedians, I'm really struggling with words out of my mouth. When you see male comedians self-deprecate, it's specific to them. And I think Chelsea Pretty also did a really good job of, like, it's just her. Um, But I've seen some of Eliza's stuff and some of my issues with her of, like, things where I didn't jive, whereas when it's, like, all women and it's like girls do this and guys do that why do we do this and like that's the part that I'm not necessarily here for and she does she has started doing the thing where like your joke is coming and getting into more niche but especially her earlier stuff was so like girls guys which yeah so I think it's so if you want to shit on yourself shit on yourself girls shit on themselves guys shit on themselves but but I think there's more of a pressure for female comedians to not just shit on themselves, but to shit on like women. The general yeah. like yeah. behavioral patterns of women. Yeah. Because uh, everyone hates women. You're so right. Well, I hate women. There's like a really weird phenomenon where like I think I like totally agree with you. I think it's so true. And I think that it just is I think it's it's and I think that's like where Amy Schumer kind of falls for me, like and where a lot of female comedians fall for me, like stand up comedians specifically because like it is so hard to specify because mm-hmm. like men don't like to listen to women yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> make <laughs> jokes like Correct. like I think that that we all know that it's just they would rather listen to like a man make a joke and to get a man to laugh at you you can't be like I do this specific thing it has to be like women do this thing and then they're like oh yeah they yeah. do yeah. this is slightly off topic um so I said earlier I don't like comedians but one of my favorite comedians is Tig Notaro um if you don't know who she is she's just like an amazing person and I think it kind of ties into the self-deprecation because in 2012 or something like that um she came out with this special called live or it's either live or live but it what happened was she like went through this whole thing of like she had breast cancer she had to get a double mastectomy um, her mother died and her longtime partner broke up with her like all in the span of like a month and she went on stage and she spoke about it for an hour and it was so beautiful and so funny and a lot a lot of her self-deprecation was like things like um, you know I always like uh, one of her jo- I'm just gonna say one of her jokes is like I always used to make jokes about how small my boobs are and I think they heard me <laughs> We're like, oh, let's, no. it was like let's kill her like it's just like I think that is such a yeah. good like specific thing yeah it also relates yeah. solely to women well for yeah. the sake of this argument yeah um yeah. and it just also just listen to Tim Taro. also like Hannah Gadsby's like yeah, yeah I was yeah, gonna say, so I was gonna say Nanette. I, I, also, I think like the 
like the self-deprecation in a way to make your audience feel comfortable laughing at you is different than like the self-deprecation to make people listen to you and be like yeah you can listen to me because i totally agree that women are stupid yeah and Mm -hmm. i think eliza schlesinger really fell into that at the beginning beginning. yeah which working her way out she's Mm -hmm. yeah she's getting out of that yeah yeah and i feel like you can tell like when people are like i'm making this joke like to make people like me to like appeal to people so i'm making this joke like for everyone like so that men will also listen to me because like what yeah what you were saying like oh like if i make a joke about women in general then that's funny to men yeah so that's like yeah i think that like mrs basil dresses that a lot because like yeah the character on that show like makes very specific jokes about like her life yeah and like i love my favorite part about that show is like when she makes a joke and you like hear the laughter in the audience but it's only female laughter I didn't notice that. Yeah, like, when she's, like, the whole time she's in Paris, it's, like, only oh, the women yeah. that are laughing. And, like, yeah. my phone, I probably got a text or something. Um, but it's, like, only the women that are laughing, which is just, like, I think it's really a really powerful thing, and it's kind of, yeah. like, she's being supported. She's always supported by, like, the women in her life mm-hmm. on that show, and so I feel like that's something that I really appreciate about that. Um, last question, which we kind of addressed with Eliza Selection here, and we talked about earlier with Melissa Villasenor, but, like, we've been noticing, we've been seeing a lot of comedians apologizing for things. Um, I mean, I think there's the whole Louis C.K. sexual assault thing. That's a whole different conversation that I don't think really is what we're going to be talking about. But, like... Like Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart or, yeah, like, Melissa Villasenor, like, people finding out that she made all these jokes or, like, Eliza Sessioner using the N-word because it's, like, like, what do we feel? How do we think? I have such mixed yeah, yeah, feelings. And I yeah, there's like, no answer to this, I don't think. Yeah, I feel like whenever... This is gonna, this is bad. This is my own bias. Whenever a man does something wrong and apologizes for it, I'm like, you don't mean that. When <laughs> I apologize, I'm always like, you deserve another chance. I think it, also, my own bias. it also ties into a separate conversation, I think, about like the PC-ness of our culture mm-hmm. and like what role comedy has in that. Personally, True. like I'm like... Okay, I'm gonna recommend another thing. ContraPoints on YouTube um, is this. Uh, uh, she's a YouTuber and she creates videos about um, kind of like the darker areas of like the internet. So she did one on like uh, like the whole like incel community. Oh. She did one on like I think she did one on the alt right. And she recently made one about the darkness and talking about like edgy humor because she's a trans woman. And so she's she was talking about how like Ricky Gervais is making a trans joke is not bad because it's a straight man, straight cis man making a trans joke. It's bad because it's a straight cis man who has no relation to the trans community and does not understand it. And is doing like the lowest hanging fruit of like yeah. making yeah. a dead name joke. Because mm-hmm. um, there's nothing wrong with like edgy humor as long as it's like educated. Right. Educated. Educated. Yeah, I also educated. think there's like, I also think like PC-ness and people think that like you can't be funny if you're PC and I think they can coexist and I think if you are a comedian that can only make people laugh by uh, like saying offensive things then you're not funny that's how I feel about some of like the sexual humor it's like if you're like if your humor relies solely on shock value then it's not funny yeah but I think I think there is like I'm I can consider myself edgy I think Uh there's totally always a place for like non-PC humor yeah yeah exactly and I don't think it's something that necessarily has to be apologized for I think it has to be apologized for like if it is something like I think something like saying the m-word if you're not if you're like a white person saying that 10 years ago and not fully understanding the consequences of it, I think that's something is that can be apologized for and that you can redeem yourself from. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying it like knowingly with the consequences is not something that can be redeemed. Right. I also think like with like that Eliza Schlesinger thing, like we've like if you watch that video and you watch what she does now, you like you can see that she like you can tell that she wouldn't do that today right like just by the way that she talks the way that she's behaving and acting what the god that she's talking about and i think that there's also a difference in like like that to me almost feels like an apology you know like she didn't need to be called out yeah to change her ways kind of in a way like like i think that the the issue with like the kevin Kevin hart thing is that he had to be called out or then like begged well and he didn't even apologize arguably he didn't apologize Yeah, yeah so it's like yeah, so I think there's a difference in being like, oh, you did this thing wrong, and then the comedian being like, oh, you're right, like, sorry well, you caught that, yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, be, and then them being like, either saying something beforehand or making it so clear that, like, today they are, like, 
a changed human who is like up with the times and like understands what's kind of like okay and not okay and like moving forward in that way I think is also a difference Yeah. yeah I think it's also it's a difficult topic because just looking back at where comedy is from like it was always scandalized and it was always about the things that we didn't talk about so if you trace it back to its root like it it makes sense that there's so much like non-pc humor at the root of stand-up but that doesn't necessarily excuse it and it's kind of finding a, a way to still talk about the things that we don't talk about but in a way that's like considerate and yeah. well educated. Yeah. 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 I feel like the place where most people are frustrated, like as artists, is like it seems like whatever you say, like whatever you put out there, like could be criticized. And like, you know, like as long as like you have like the guidelines in place, like I'm not gonna say the N word, I'm not gonna like say anything hurtful. Like I feel like we are becoming a lot more sensitive, like at things that could or like maybe could not be like directly like you know attacking people and that's where it gets frustrating like for the comedians it's like this wasn't supposed to attack anyone like I wasn't doing x y and z like it depends on the case and everything obviously but like it seems like some jokes like have like a place in time you know what I mean and it wasn't yeah. like directed at someone yeah I think the main thing is like awareness yeah. and like like a lot of comedians will make a joke and then they'll be like like kind of like what Eliza does but like and then they'll be like okay I we all have to agree that's not true I just yeah. like I just want to make the joke or whatever and like yeah. being like like acknowledging like you can make a joke and be and be like but that's a joke yeah because when it when it becomes like it's a joke and I mean it and I right. believe it that's when it's like oh but we're worried about you but how do you yeah. say that like while you're you know right I mean I think people do do it I mean like Eliza does it really well I think. yeah or like I just made a joke about like my parents dying and I don't want my parents to die yeah <laughs> it's like just like yeah. I think because like because we're so used to people making like racist or sexist jokes and then believing those things it's you have to be like you have to create a trust with your audience yeah. and with people watching you that you yeah. don't actually yeah. think those right. things yeah yeah wonderful um, wow. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, oh, I hope that this was a oh. more organized um, episode. <laughs> we're working on it. I think we're working no, we're on it. I promise that we're working on it. If, and if you're watching us, thank you so much for thank sticking you. with thank us. Um, it's a learning experience. We have to get educated. Um, educated. 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 Uh, Follow us on all of our social media. We have Facebook at Manic, Manic Pixie Dream Hurls. Instagram and Twitter are MPD Hurls. H U R L Yes. I always want to say the G, but there's no G. We it's are on M-P-D. Spotify D. and iTunes, which is very, very exciting. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Um, yay, yay, yay. And YouTube. And YouTube. 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 What you found. You know. We know where we are. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next time. And tell your mom to listen to it, because our key demographic right now, I think, it's is mom. No, my mom can't listen to this, because I said I wanted to buy a dildo. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> da 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 Okay. <laughs>